So I'm pretty sure you've heard by now that there are a group of people out there claiming to have been sent by someone called Ruth. I'm assuming that the first, the now late uh, judge of the court, that they are going to, as they have promised, interrupt masses this weekend. They're going to come into your parishes, so they've claimed, and they're going to stage some sort of demonstration. Why are they doing this? Because of the secular ruling that happened this week, or the leak of it anyway. And all the ones who have ruled on the side of common sense, on the side of decency, are all Catholics, all of them. Or so we're being told anyway. And so what they've promised to do is they've promised to come and interrupt mass, or worse. And their rhetoric has gotten heated. Yesterday, I found on Twitter that their main account organizing these things, which Twitter's still permitting to do this, which even though is a violation of their service rules, but hey, you know, that's how it works, right? They uh, decided that they're not going to only do that. They're also going to, add, they've promised to burn the Eucharist, which just those words feel dirty coming out of my mouth. But that is what they have promised to do. They have promised to burn the Eucharist. So today, i am got this short thing up for you, in addition to my usual sort of Sunday reflection, which is actually oddly timely. I recorded it before all this stuff broke, and it's oddly timely for this. Remember, we don't have a place in this world. We are merely sojourners here. We must keep our eyes on the prize, as the secular saying goes. And there will be forces always arrayed against us, because we dare to speak the truth about the faith and about the implications of the faith and how the world should be. And there are people who, in this case, these servants of Moloch, as we tend to call them, and more and more it's becoming quite apparent that that's not just a clever turn of phrase, that that is actually true, that they are servants of Moloch, that those servants of Moloch will oppose us at every turn. So I implore you, when you go to Mass this morning, Remember our Lord's admonition, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Don't give anybody who may show up at your parish a reason to become a headline or to make the nightly news. How do you think they'll spin that? You think you'll be painted in the correct light? You think the church will be painted in an honest light? That these happenings will be, be portrayed in truth? Or will they be used to promote the servants of Moloch and their program? I want you to think about that. So be careful out there today. But don't be afraid to go to Mass. There are plenty of saintly people who, would, who have literally crawled on their hands and knees long distances to get to Mass. Who would look at this situation today and think of how terrible it is, but would go without fear. So please go to Mass this morning. But also keep your eyes open. Have that phone ready. And be ready, because while most Catholics in most places in America will not have anything unusual happen at Mass today, some of you may. And I should probably have a video on for Monday on that when those stories start rolling in on Sunday. I'll put something together for that for Monday morning so you can see what happens. But for now, remember our Lord's admonition to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. Don't let them turn or rope you into being a part of 
you know, a, a news story that goes nationwide and makes their program and their message easier to promote. So as you take heed of this message I have for you today about being wise in how you respond and not allowing yourself to become a useful tool for their purpose, for their messaging, I'm going to give you something here, and it's about having courage. It is from Pope Leo the Great. It's a timely message, and I want you to have this in your heart while you go to Mass today, because in all probability, nothing will happen, except the usual miraculous things that happen at Mass if we only have eyes to see. But for some of you, things will probably happen if the forces of Moloch are to be believed. So, without that having been said, this is Sermon 36 of Pope Leo the Great. The story of the Magi, not only a bygone fact in history, but of everyday application to ourselves. The day, dearly beloved, on which Christ, the Savior of the world, first appeared to the nations must be venerated by us with holy worship. And today, those joys must be entertained in our hearts, which existed in the breasts of the three Magi, when aroused by the sign and leading of a new star, which they believed to have been promised. They fell down in the presence of the King of earth and heaven. For that day has not so passed away that the mighty work, which was then revealed, has passed away with it, and that nothing but the report of the thing has come down to us for faith to receive and memory to celebrate. Seeing that by the oft-repeated gift of God, our times daily enjoy the fruit of what that first age possessed. And therefore, although the narrative which is read to us from the gospel properly records those days, on which the three men, who had never been taught by the prophets, predictions, nor instructed by the testimony of the law, came to acknowledge God from the furthest parts of the East, yet we behold the same thing more clearly and abundantly carried out now in the enlightenment of all those who are called, since the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled when he says, The Lord has laid bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the nations upon earth have seen the salvation, which is from the Lord our God. And again, and to those whom it has not been announced about him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Hence, when we see men devoted to worldly wisdom and far from belief in Jesus Christ brought out of the depths of their error and called to an acknowledgement of the true light, it is undoubtedly the brightness of divine grace that is at work, and whatever new light illumines the darkness of their hearts comes from the rays of the same star, so that it should both move with wonder and, going before, lead to the adoration of God, the minds which it visited with its splendor. But if with careful thought we wish to see how their threefold kind of gift is also offered by all who come to Christ with the foot of faith, it is not the same offering repeated in the hearts of true believers. For he that acknowledges Christ the King of the universe brings gold from the treasure of his heart. He that believes the only begotten of God to have united man's true nature to himself offers myrrh, and he that confesses him in no wise inferior to the Father's majesty worships him in a manner with incense. These comparisons, dearly beloved, being thoughtfully considered, we find Herod's character not also not to be wanting, of which the devil himself is now an unwearied imitator, just as he was then a secret instigator. For he, for he is tormented at the calling of all the nations and racked at the daily destruction of his power, Grieved at his being everywhere deserted, and the true king adored in all places. He prepares devices, he hatches plots, he bursts out into slayings, and that he may make use of the remnants of those whom he still deceives. Is consumed with envy in the persons of our elder brothers, 
lies treacherously in wait in the persons of heretics, blazes into cruelty in the persons of the heathens, for he sees the power of the eternal king as invincible, whose death has extinguished the power of death itself, and therefore he has armed himself with all his skill of injury against those who serve the true king, hardening some by the pride that, that knowledge of the law engenders, debasing others by the lies of false belief, and inciting others to the madness of persecution, Yet the madness of this Herod is vanquished and brought to naught by him who has crowned even infants with the glory of martyrdom, and has endured his faithful ones with so unconquerable a love that in the apostles' words they dare to say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or want, or persecution, or hunger, or nakedness, or peril, or the sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things we overcome on account of him who loved us. See St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 35. Such courage as this, dearly beloved, we do not believe to have been needful only at those times in which the kings of the world and all the powers of the age were raging against God's people in an outburst of wickedness, thinking it to redound to their greatest glory if they removed the Christian name from the earth, but not knowing that God's church grows through the frenzy of their cruelty, since in the torments and the deaths of the martyrs, those whose number was reckoned to be diminished were augmented through the force of example. In fine, so much strength has our faith gained by the attacks of persecutors that royal princedoms have no greater ornament than the lords of the world who are members of Christ, and their boast is not so much that they were born in the purple as that they have been reborn in baptism. But because the stress of former blasts has lulled, and with the cessation of fightings a measure of tranquility has long seemed to smile upon us, those divergences are carefully to be guarded against which arise from the very reign of peace. For the adversary, having been proved ineffective in open persecutions, now exercises a hidden skill in doing cruel hurt, in order to overthrow by the stumbling block of pleasure those whom he could not strike with a blow of affliction. And so seeing the faith of princes opposed to him in the invisible trinity of the one Godhead as devoutly worshiped in palaces as in churches, he grieves at the shedding of Christian blood being forbidden and attacks the mode of life of those whose death he cannot compass. The terror of confiscations he changes into the fire of avarice and, cor and, and corrupts with covetousness those whose spirit he could not break by losses. For the malicious haughtiness which long use has ingrained into its very nature has not laid aside its hatred, but changed its character in order to subjugate the minds of the faithful by blandishments. He inflames those with covetous desires, whom he cannot distress with, with torment. He sows strife, kindles passions, sets tongues a-wagging, and lest more cautious hearts should draw back from his lawless wiles, facilitates opportunities for accomplishing crime, because this is the only fruit of all his devices that he who is not worshipped with the sacrifice of cattle and goats and the burning of incense should be paid the homage of various wicked deeds. Our state of peace, therefore, dearly beloved, has its dangers, and it is vain for those who do not withstand vicious desires to feel secure the liberty which is the privilege of their faith. Men's hearts are shown by the character of their works, and the fashion of their mind is betrayed by the nature of their actions. For there are some, as the apostle says, who profess that they know God, but deny him by their deeds. See Titus chapter 1, verse 16. For the charge of denial is truly incurred when the good which is heard in the sound of the voice is not present in the conscience. Indeed, the frailty of man's nature easily glides into faults, and because no sin is without its attractiveness, deceptive pleasure is quickly acquiescent, and he should run. 
for spiritual succor from the desires of the flesh. And the mind that has knowledge of its God should turn away from the evil suggestion of the enemy. Avail yourself of the long-suffering of God and persist not in cherishing your sin because its punishment is put off. The sinner must not feel secure of his impunity because if he loses the time for repentance, he will find no place for mercy, as the prophet says. In death, no one remembers you, and in the realms below, who will confess to you? But let him who experiences the difficulty of self-amendment and restoration betake himself to the mercy of befriending God, and ask that the chains of evil habit may be broken off by him, who lifts up those that fall and raises all that are crushed. The prayer of one that confesses will not be in vain, since the merciful God will grant the desire to the, of those that fear him, and will give what is asked, as he gave the source from which to ask. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Ghost forever and ever. Amen. And that, my friends, is the message of St. Gregory, or rather St. Pope St. Leo the Great, in his famous sermon number 36, given on the Feast of the Epiphany. I think it's applicable to our time today. So please go to Mass today. Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And heed the words here, because acting imprudently today may result in giving our adversaries everything they want. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.